Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode number 61 of the Church Leadership Podcast. We have another episode for you in the middle of this COVID-19 quarantine. Uh, If you're looking for ideas for your church or encouragement uh, in the middle of this craziness, we invite you to jump over to Insight Ministries website. That's Insight with a C, so it's I-N-C-I-T-E ministries.org all kind of resources for churches and church leaders uh, during this challenging time today's episode we get to sit down with my friend joshua del risco great story and uh, it's a great conversation that andy and i have with him so here is this week's episode thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the podcast we have a special guest with us we have joshua del risco with us joshua serves as the pastor of Comunidad de Fe, is that is that yes, correct? Okay, correct. Uh, Community of Faith. It's a Hispanic congregation in the northern uh, Birmingham, Alabama metro area. So we're glad that you're able to join us on the podcast this week, Joshua. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's kind of unique, and I'm excited about this because um, we we share office space in a sense with <laughs> with Joshua because uh, Joshua is is a I, you wouldn't be called a church planting pastor because it was really kind of planted right. when you when you got here. But he's the pastor of Community de Fe, and so it's a Hispanic-focused uh, congregation here in Fultondale, Alabama. So um, they actually meet on Sunday nights in my church, and uh, right. it's kind of cool. Not really my church, in the building where I also... <laughs> preach on Sunday mornings. Let me say it that way. But, uh, but so, so you guys, you know, I'll, I'll let you tell the story about that, but man, uh, it is awesome, uh, to see you every time I see you here. It's, it's so cool to see what God's doing here, but Amen. tell us a little bit about your story, maybe even before 10 months ago, when you got here, tell us about how God has <clears throat> kind of prepared you for this and, and the ministries you've been involved in and maybe, you know, maybe about your family too. And uh, then we'll, we'll get going about your ministry. All right. Uh, a really uh, quick um, resume, I guess, would be that I've been involved with church planting uh, for several years. And, and that's how uh, I started ministry in Louisiana and then later in Oklahoma. Um, from there, I went to work with the North American Mission Board in the area of evangelism and worked with them 14 years. Um, and then from that, I ended up in Texas as Director of Evangelism for uh, the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And uh, after four years with the Texas Baptists, um, just felt the Lord leading us uh, to uh, begin our own evangelistic ministry, full-time ministry. And we did that. um, And that's where I came across some folks that had known me over the years and uh, presented the possibility of coming out to Alabama uh, to pastor this congregation. Um, it, it was described to me as putting the cart before the horse. They started the <laughs> congregation, but they really didn't have a pastor. That's right. And so uh, they started with home Bible studies and some other events like that. And and so uh, after talking with them and, and praying about it, really felt God leading in that direction. Uh, my DNA is I love doing new things, starting something from scratch and or taking something and see what God can do with it uh, after the foundation has been laid. And, and so um, 
that's what that was a perfect opportunity to do that. So my wife and I packed it up and came over here to uh, Fultondale, Alabama, to begin uh, Comunidad de Fe, how we say it in the heavenly language. I like how um, <laughs> the heavenly language. I like how he says it better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, or community of faith. Yeah, awesome. And that's probably why you and I get along and we're like-minded because we like starting new things and. And, and new initiatives. Now, yeah. I'm gonna I want to back you up a little bit because sure. there's uh, there's a part of your story, at least to me, that I find fascinating. Because um, I remember we had we had lunch together um, about a year ago before you got here, and you told your story a little bit about how Hispanic ministry was not the original plan. In fact, you you didn't feel qualified even to to engage in that ministry at first, right? So tell us a little bit about that, how that happened. Well. Um, I was born in Cuba, but I came to the States at five years of age. So I was raised here, and all my education has been here. So about the age of nine, ten years old, I lost my Spanish and had to relearn it like anyone else. In high school, everyone was signing up for French, and I I thought, well, I just followed the crowd and signed up for French. And my father convinced (laughs) me, you know, why don't you take Spanish? (laughs) And I did, and I took it through high school, through college, and and I was able to recapture it. but that's that's the reason I, I never saw myself uh, ministering in a Hispanic context. As a matter of fact, I went to New Orleans Seminary, and when I went to seminary, I did not go to prepare for ministry in in a Hispanic context. I figured I'd be in an English speaking congregation somewhere. Um, but while I was in seminary, the Lord began to change my heart and and change some things. Uh, if I could tell a very quick story, I remember I I, I got to seminary, paid for my studies. Um, had literally $20 left over, you know, after just packing everything up and moving to the seminary. And uh, across the street from New Orleans Seminary, I think it's still there, there's a church's chicken. And I bought a yes. bucket of chicken. It's still there. And I had a piece for breakfast, lunch, and dinner until that ran out. And then I had to find me a girlfriend whose mother was going to feed me. <laughs> and uh, that was very successful. She's my wife today. That's pretty good. Um, so pretty good. for you seminarians, that's a strategy for you. <laughs> yes. But, uh, um, a gentleman that worked with the New Orleans Baptist Association came and said, Brother Joshua, there's a church in Lafayette, Louisiana. They're looking for, um, it's a, it was a new church start, and the pastor left, so it was a real small congregation. They're looking for a pastor. It's a Hispanic congregation. And I said, you know, brother, I appreciate it, but you know, I, I, God didn't call me to work with Hispanics. And I really, I, I had no interest in working among Hispanics. And um, he said, uh, Brother Joshua, they, they pay $600 a month. And I went like, Brother, when do I start? Because <laughs> I was literally starving. Let me pray about this. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. And so my call to Hispanic ministry was not a spiritual matter. It was one of survival. Yes. But God used that experience in this very small church to just do a, a work in my life. And I realized, you know, God's given me two languages. Uh, I'm bicultural, bilingual. Why not? Right. be faithful in that area and so that's how it began and, and that's how I got involved in Hispanic work and um, the course of my ministry uh, I would say I've done more among, with Hispanics than I have with non-Hispanic uh, churches and which is to me is very interesting because uh, God has a way of working things out and working in our lives to, uh, to, to make the things that we think disqualify us make that the, the greatest asset that we have. Exactly right. 
I think we uh, share a similarity there. Uh, Mark and I talk often about the things that we failed at, you know, <laughs> and one of them is church planting. You know, we've both uh, successfully uh, killed a church plant. So. <laughs> but it's amazing how God can take us back to that over and over again and the things that we learn yeah. through that. Absolutely. Uh, it, so what we try not to do is to tell God, all right, this is what I'm going to do, and yes. this is what I'm not going to do, because we learn yes. often that when we do that, God tends to have a sense of humor. Yeah. You know, you know. I mean, we often want to throw the towel and give up, say no mas, you know, um, right. when we're bombarded, and, and ministry's hard, as, as everyone knows. Um, my experience that God uses every experience and every even difficulty and challenge to make us the obviously the the men and the servants that he wants us to be and so you never discount what you're facing whether it's a failure in the church plan or uh un, un, unable to uh, connect with certain people that you're trying to reach uh those are all learning experiences and we have a god of second third fourth chances praise amen. the lord amen <laughs> that's grace and right. and by his grace, he has brought you here to do something that you didn't foresee yeah. doing. Yeah. And Alabama I, was not on my radar. Oh, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> Alabama has quite a large Hispanic population. It's growing. And it is growing. And we're thankful for people like you that God's burdened your heart to reach out and to, to share the gospel and make disciples with that sector of our society that's often overlooked. So, yeah, that's right. So you're, you're talking about ministry in a context that maybe some people who are listening to this podcast may not be familiar with. So could you share with us maybe a little insight to uh, to, to having a foot in both worlds, uh, knowing your, your past, your history, your personality, your experiencing experiences, but also maybe just share with us uh, some opportunities that may be there in Hispanic ministry that we may not realize, yeah. uh, or maybe some challenges that, that are presented to you in this. Absolutely. Well, um, Hispanics, as as uh, you know, and many of your uh, he, folks here in this podcast know, it is it is the fastest growing ethnic group out here, right. and um, uh, it it is a very diverse group of people because most of us think Hispanics they're all Mexicans, but <laughs> we come from all different na- nas- uh, nationalities and cultural backgrounds. Um, and so even in the Spanish, in, in a Hispanic congregation, you may have, like in, where we're at now in Fultondale here in uh, Comunidad de Fe, uh, right now we have nine different nationalities wow. uh, that make up uh, the group that we have, uh, and it's a growing group. Um, and so you, that's one thing that always is good to understand. Not all Hispanics are, are the same, um, but it is a, a large uh, segment of our, his, of our population um, most people think they can't connect with Hispanics, but it's actually one of the easiest to reach because mm. Hispanics usually will come out of a Roman Catholic background. So there's, so there's some basis to their understanding of Christ and salvation and things of those uh, that, that type of approach that we have. And so really they're, they're very open to the gospel. Mm. Uh, obviously the biggest barrier may be language, um, but my, what I've found is love overcomes a lot of barriers that we, we have. And so um, something as simple as going to your local Mexican restaurant, sitting down to have lunch, 
your waitress, your waiter may, may be Hispanic. That's a great time to begin to connect with yeah. them and get to know them. Uh, ask God. I, I, I encourage believers when I, when I go to churches to go to lunch and uh, pray for your waiter. Ask your waiter, how can you pray for you? Sure. And that's something we all often will do. Um, but with Hispanics, take it another step. Ask them where they're from. You know, ask them to tell you their story. Everyone has a story, and, right. and, and that begins to build bridges so that um, your invitation to church or, or your, the seed that you plant uh, begins to, t- to take root. Mm. You know, that's fantastic. You know, I've also <clears throat> experienced it here at our church um, that your family is often a bridge yeah. uh, to not just Hispanic ministry, but, but any you know, evangelistic effort, but especially uh, in the Hispanic culture, it seems like family is so yes. central and important. Absolutely. And, you know, we've we've done an okay job here at reaching some of those children with the idea to bridge to their, their families. But speak to that a little bit and, and how you've seen that play out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Family is very important to Hispanics. Um, you'll have a, a Hispanic family, and they have five kids, you know, and mm. so right away that can help church growth greatly. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> More than one way to grow a church. Right. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, connecting with with the, uh, at at that level, family is wonderful. So if you have family ministries, um, if you have a children's program, a lot of times uh, non-Hispanic congregations find it difficult connecting with Hispanics for church uh, purposes. Uh, Invite them to come to your Wednesday night children's program or youth mm-hmm. program. I know First Baptist Fultondale does a great job with that, um, and and that's a, a really a good first step because these kids are going to be bilingual. Most mm-hmm. of these Hispanic kids are either bilingual or they or they tend to be more English speaking, and so the non-Hispanic congregation can really do a tremendous ministry outreach and discipleship in the area of children and, and youth. Mm-hmm. And obviously that builds a bridge to their parents because if the, the the parents see that the children are happy, growing, their lives are changing, that's going to catch their attention. Mm-hmm. And so that opens uh, their heart up to hear what this local church uh, that's not even Hispanic is doing that's right. changing the lives of their kids. Yeah, that is a, a kingdom mindset to you know kind of reach across the aisle and say, you know what, maybe we don't have the the same common background and or or maybe our our language barrier might be a little yeah. uh tough to overcome but hey we're we're both created in the image yes. of God and so so that's a great way to to be able to do that that's a wonderful opportunity mm-hmm. well, what are some what are some maybe challenges that may be presented in the ministry God's called you to specifically here in in the south um, Hispanics have a lot of baggage. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, issues that um, the non non uh, non Christian has, and that's true in every context. But with Hispanics, there's mer- marriage issues. Um, there's uh, uh, many times uh, issues with their children raising kids that are from a different cultural. Uh, you have parents that are first generation, primarily Spanish speaking. Then you have kids that are either bilingual or they come home and they're a completely different person to the mm-hmm. parents. At home, he he may be um, he may be known as uh, Pepe. You know, his name is Jose. He may be known as Pepe, and they expect him to speak Spanish, and he struggles at school. He's Joe. 
and he's a different kid because he that's his now that's his language that's his primary culture um and so you have issues of that type in the family um there are obviously um uh, issues with the immigration uh, situation of, of of many and so all these are challenges that the church has to confront that's and right. find ways to bridge them for the purpose of outreach and, and discipleship um but the, the opportunities are there, are there. You know, we are really good as uh, Baptists, Southern Baptists, to go uh, all over the world. And we may go to Mexico on mission trips, but we can't cross the street to reach that same person that we're going across, you know, the border and spending a whole week out there and money and everything. They're, they're all around us. Right. And um, uh, finding ways to connect with them. Uh, and again, churches have many ways. Children, youth ministries. Uh, if you have parenting, uh, if you have uh, marriage conferences, even in a non-Hispanic context, in other words, they're not Spanish-speaking congregation, uh, that may be a possibility if you can provide translators, if you can find someone that can translate. You know, uh, there's many issues that they want help with. Yeah. And what you said that all those challenges are opportunities. I mean, what a great opportunity. And I know... Um, Again, I'm I'm not patting our church on the back here because I had no, this has nothing to do with me. It wasn't my idea. But um, one thing that we really found helpful last year was partnering with Joshua's church in VBS. And so, uh, you know, most of the kids were English speaking. In fact, all of them, I think, that, that showed up to VBS. Uh, but they had a lot of parents who weren't. Mm-hmm. And so we had Joshua and some of his church volunteers and leaders on hand. And in our classroom, so every VBS classroom, we had a Spanish-speaking leader in that classroom, and it, I, it was just awesome. And yeah. uh, God used that in great ways, I think. So yes. Let me let me uh, <clears throat> kind of turn the page a little bit and ask you about something that's it's kind of a passion of yours. Uh, and so you're working on your doctoral project now, and uh, and and you've got you've got a very, to me, a very unique and interesting, but also a timely and needed thing and you're focusing on storytelling you mentioned story before and using storytelling uh and imagery to to reach people to to communicate the gospel so talk to us a little bit about what god's teaching you through that yeah um well it 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 was a change in in my original uh focus uh because of the context and where i'm at and, and realizing uh there's many people that we're coming across with that uh that are that I'm being challenged because I'm used to using, let's say, the Bible and in witnessing and in discipleship, and I'm finding many people that just are not great readers, and they're threatened by having either to read or that someone is going to ask them to read. And so um, I started thinking about that and praying about that, and and so um, I'm trying to develop the an approach in the context of where we're at uh, for uh, uh, evangelism and discipleship of uh, people that prefer an oral approach. Um, it's pretty much 90% of America now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. you have, it, it's from, we're familiar with it in the International Mission Board or international work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hear a lot of it here in the States. And, uh, it, but you come across a lot of people, whether they're Hispanic or, or of other nationalities, that uh, are not in other backgrounds that um, they don't read. And so our typical approaches for discipleship, all the resources are focused on people that know how to read and write. Yeah. 
And so uh, what, what I've noticed is we've lost, we, we're losing a group of people that won't come because they've told me I, I don't read and I feel embarrassed if I, I, that you're going to ask me or someone's going right. to ask me. And so I've, I'm learning how to navigate that. And so the approach is going to be uh, helping, uh, helping us be able to share the gospel and disciple folks through uh, storytelling. And do it in the context of here of the United States, our culture here, and I think it's obviously in my case. <clears throat> excuse me, in my case, I'm I'm focused on the Hispanics, but it's an approach that we all can use because we all face that, and uh, we have so many folks from around the world that come to our backyards that are not fluent uh, in reading and writing, and so I think it's going to be something uh, very interesting. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, that is neat. As far as your ministry goes, that's got to be helpful because there probably is not only a communication barrier uh, as far as some people who only speak one language and, and yeah. or maybe have a native language here in the United States that they don't speak, they're non-English speaking, but uh, you're talking about people who are li- literally illiterate, yes. who, who can't read. So you're talking about finding a way to bridge a gap to be able to share the gospel with them. And and oftentimes it's building a relationship through telling that story and sharing the gospel. Exactly. So that, that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and uh, outside of the Hispanic context, you have many people that are, uh, I think the term they call it secondary or- orality. Mm-hmm. They, people that, that can read and write, they've gone through school, but they're preferred, uh, they're, they preferred a uh, non-oral experience mm-hmm. and and so how do we do that and so um uh i think the church has failed to some degree because most of our resources that that we we have in the context of church sunday school and right. church discipleship and ministry uh is is directed to those that can read and write right. and so um maybe maybe this will be helpful that's fantastic because i mean you know in our in our in our sitcom movie culture, mm-hmm. and that that's the language we all speak now. Yeah. You know, I, I do think the Three Circles, you know, app has been yes. tremendous because it's telling that story with imagery. Correct, correct. But you're right in in making disciples and discipleship. You know, we need some tools there. And too. if we're to follow the model of Jesus, he was the greatest storyteller ever. <laughs> you exactly. Know? I mean, he he would use the birds in the air and the flowers of the field or seeds, yeah. soil, yeah. all of it. Yeah. So yes. he, would, he would use everything at his disposal to, to kill a fig tree. You know, yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, Joshua, we thank you so much for being here with us today. We just wanted to ask you real quickly as we close our time out together, is there some way you can encourage somebody who's listening to the podcast today? Uh, maybe somebody who it's not even on their radar to think about how could I assist or help a local Hispanic congregation or maybe some resources you might be able to share with us that might be helpful. How could you encourage them in that? Uh, maybe there might be a pastor out there and they're thinking, you know what, we do have a large Hispanic uh, group of people just right outside my church somewhere or in our community. There is a, that demographic that's being unreached. Would you have maybe something you wanted to share that might be encouraging to those people? Yes, absolutely. First of all, I just say begin to pray about it. Uh, it's amazing how God will open your spiritual eyes to the people that are around your church. And uh, there's there's a lot of churches that uh, may be missing it. They're more focused inwardly to the group that they are typically feel more comfortable within. Uh, with with. Um, 
begin to pray about it. Uh, let God open your spiritual eyes. Uh, begin to ask God for direction. There are some very quick things that churches can do. Uh, uh, you have a marquee. Uh, you could put a sign out there, something as simple as says, Jesus loves you in Spanish. Yeah. And if you don't know how to spell Jesus loves you in Spanish, contact me. Hit me <laughs> up. I'll help That's you. That's right. But uh, um, th- what we mentioned earlier, the children and the youth are are low-hanging fruit yep. that any church can can pick. Uh, children and youth, they're going to many of them are bilingual, many of them are uh, or they're just English speaking, and so the, those are very quick uh, ministries that churches can begin. Uh, you can start English as a second language. Many have done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are ministries like. Uh, food banks, uh, clothing uh, uh, type of ministry. Um, there, are, there are things that um, churches can do. For instance, uh, if you have a, a large population uh, in the community and you have a lot of children in the school, connect with the local school. Uh, that, that's one way the church can really minister right. and help um, by providing translation if you're able to, um, sometimes tr- uh, schools are needing individuals that can be uh, chaperones in different ev- events and activities. Uh, you're going to run into Hispanics uh, in many of our school systems, and, and they need help as well. That's fantastic. And I would encourage uh, leaders and, and pastors and staff, you know, look around you. Um, don't, don't rely on demographic data because I remember before I got here, demographic data did not show a large Hispanic population, but when I got here, I looked around, I went to the schools, and I realized, okay, there's a significant Hispanic population. So uh, they, they are around you because, as Joshua said, it's the fastest-growing segment you know, in our country, and so God has given us opportunities. Don't let a cultural barrier be an obstacle to the gospel because God Amen. can overcome it. Yeah, yeah. maybe even contact your local Baptist Association or our Correct. State Board of Missions or yeah. the North, North American Mission Board. They may be actually looking for a church to partner with. That's like right. you guys have partnered together uh, a host church to have a facility that's open at a certain time for a congregation to simply meet in would that's be right. a Correct. great partnership. Yes. So Yeah, because, I mean, you know, we don't have Sunday night service. And... One thing that bothers me is to have a facility empty, not used. Mm. And so when it's actually before Joshua got here, uh, the the leaders of the church came to me and said, hey, we're thinking about maybe using your church. I'm like, yes, come on, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, Joshua, thank you so much, man, for, for taking time out to, to share with us your passion, your mission, your vision. And uh, I know others have been encouraged and equipped to lead the local church. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 